This is Sansom Speaks, informing and educating our community on important health topics. We believe the more you know, the more you'll get out of your healthcare experience. Presented by the Women's Council of Sansom Clinic. Hi, I'm Dr. Kurt Ranselhoff, the CEO and Chief Medical Officer at Sansom Clinic. These talks, like the one you're about to hear, are filled with valuable information presented by some of our most distinguished healthcare providers. Just a reminder, the information in this episode was current at the time of the recording, but please be aware that medical information is constantly changing. Now, on to the show. Hello, we are here today with Dr. Chad Burgoyne, one of our orthopedic surgeons at the Samson Clinic Foothill Medical and Surgical Center. Dr. Burgoyne received his medical degree at the Medical University of South Carolina. He then completed his residency in New York City at Mount Sinai Hospital before wising up and coming to the West Coast, where he did his fellowship in orthopedic sports medicine at the West Coast Sports Medicine Center in Manhattan Beach, California. Most recently, he was an orthopedic surgeon at Providence Medical Group in Hood River, Oregon. Dr. Burgoyne specializes in orthopedic sports medicine, sports trauma, and orthopedic surgery. Tell us, how did you get interested in orthopedics? Um, Well, I was a competitive swimmer growing up. Uh, So all through high school and college, I was was swimming at a relatively high level. I uh, competed at the college level, University of South Carolina, Division One athlete, and um, my dream was always to go to the Olympics. I you know I wasn't going to make it as an athlete, so I thought, hey, how can I get there? I could you know take care of athletes, so I started looking at ways I could you know be involved with athletics as as I went on in life and at a high level, and, and started to realize that orthopedic surgery and surgeons are the ones who take care of athletes, and so uh, you know, I was able to you know, put some shadowing in with orthopedic surgeons and got to know a few guys and, and just really fell in love with it. You know, everything from the fracture care to the on-field work and sports medicine and surgery. So uh, it really kind of became my passion and luckily did well at college, was able to to get into med school and then ultimately in orthopedic surgery. So it all, all kind of panned out in the end, but still haven't made it to the Olympics yet. It's, it's, It's still a goal of mine. When you're seeing patients, if they have sort of orthopedic swimming related issues with their shoulder and so forth, do you tell them your backstory? Oh yeah, always, always. Uh, I also dread it. Swimmers are high demand. So they're some of the tougher patients. Swimmers and runners tend to be tough. The injury athletes, um, you know, the ball sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, you know, they have acute injuries and you can fix them and get them back on the field. It's the uh, endurance athletes that get the chronic injuries that that, that really put us to the test sometimes. Just out of curiosity, are there any specific sort of swimming related orthopedic issues? There are, yeah. It's always shoulders. You know, swimmers end up with bad shoulders and they're either loose because they've stretched them out over the years or uh, you know, labral tears are pretty common with swimmers. So yeah, it's the, it's the chronic loose shoulder that, that can be a tough one on us. So did you, Chad, did you grow up in South Carolina? I kind of grew up all over the South. Uh, my, my father moved around a good bit, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina. But yeah, I went to college and med school in South Carolina, um, worked there for a little bit when I first was in practice. Like you said, I, I did that fellowship in, in Manhattan Beach and I had to come back out to the West Coast. So, Well, I, it sounds like your, your uh, residency training up in New York City, that must have been certainly a, 
a different place for you to live. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience in your residency. New York City is a, a very competitive environment up there. There are so many programs, so many hospitals, and, and, and quite literally you can go two blocks and there's another orthopedic surgeon. And so it was a nice place to train because there was a lot of business, uh, a lot of high-level academic-oriented uh, programs. So I feel like I got some really great training there. Uh, Mount Sinai Hospital was a massive hospital. 1,200 beds uh, right on Central Park there on the Upper East Side. I think I worked with something like 40 different orthopedic surgeons throughout training. Uh, so I got a great spectrum of, of everything there. We had you know, incredible pediatric tumor surgeons and you know, spine surgeons, sports medicine. We actually did our trauma work out in Queens. We covered LaGuardia Airport. We covered Rikers Island Prison. So a lot of really interesting trauma. We even were Elmhurst Hospital, where I did my trauma training, was known throughout South America and even in Central America. There were times where patients would fly with injuries, land in LaGuardia Airport, take a taxi over to Elmhurst to get their care because you know, doctors in their country were like, go to New York City, take a taxi to Elmhurst Hospital, and they'll take care of you. So we, we saw amazing pathology from sometimes all over the world. But yeah, all in all, it was a wonderful place to train. So you'd actually see like somebody broke their, had a compound, a difficult fracture of their leg in Peru and would wind up at your hospital? Yeah. I mean, we saw the spectrum. I was an intern there. So there were times someone had pancreatic cancer and would show up with CT scans and, and all that in the ER saying, I was told to come here to, to get my you know, pancreas removed. Uh, but yeah, the trauma, it would end up being cold trauma, meaning it would, days and weeks later, and they would show up and show up in our ER and we find out later it happened yeah in Peru two weeks ago um so it was pretty interesting work it really was what made you come out to the west coast you know looking at sports medicine fellowships so orthopedics is five years of training or five years of residency training and then the, the majority of us go on to do an extra year of fellowship training and so I, I chose to go into sports medicine you know, based on my my original interests and um found a, a fellowship in Manhattan Beach and you know, pretty decent volume and a good general sports medicine program and uh, got to live on the beach for a year. So it wasn't too bad. So did you really, after that experience of living on the Pacific coast there, you thought I'm staying? Well, I, I'd actually already accepted a job back in South Carolina uh, and went back there and, and I miss it. I mean, I was back in Charleston, South Carolina. It was an amazing place, but the West coast was, it was just it for me. So, uh, I'm a snowboarder and, you know, swam, I dabble in triathlons and surfing. And for me, California had it all. So kind of searched around and, you know, eventually, you know, found Oregon and then down here and back in Santa Barbara. Yeah, you know, I don't think sometimes the people watching this realize just exactly how long the training is to be an orthopedic surgeon. So just to remind everybody, so there's the four years of medical school and then five years of orthopedic surgery residency, and then you did one or two additional years. I just did one, one additional year. Most orthopedic surgery resident fellowships are, are the extra year there. So uh, obviously the four years of college, four years of med school, five years of residency, a year of fellowship. And so I was, I was 33 by the time I first got out and had my first job and started practicing medicine. It's a long haul. It is. It is. As you know, thankfully, after those first two years of med school, you're actually functioning like a doctor, whether you're officially you know, practicing or not. But yeah, you get, you get to get out there and, and start 
being a doctor, taking care of patients, and are finally out of the books. So what's the, the transition when you came from Oregon back down to Santa Barbara? How, how has that been for you and your family? It's been great. I mean, we where I was in Oregon was a small town, Hood River, and uh, kind of an outdoors mecca. It was a, it was a great place to be, um, but I wouldn't call it the most challenging place. I it was one of two orthopedic surgeons at the hospital, pretty low volume. We were working about four days a week. Uh, so recreationally, it was great. I had all the time in the world, but uh, professionally, it, it wasn't as much of a challenge. Uh, probably was doing about half the amount of work that I do here. And then we we really missed the beach. You know, I grew up in South Carolina and Tennessee you know, and living at the beach and warm weather and sunshine. It was just too good, too good to pass up. I've got three kids and uh, Santa Barbara is just an amazing place for, you know, raising kids and sports and going to the beach and hiking in the mountains, driving to Mammoth, you know, we do it all. Yeah, I think Santa Barbara is very unusual in that it has that, all that sort of outdoor access and yet it still has phenomenally good medical care with people like yourself who have trained all over the country and have decided to come here and both for professional and for uh lifestyle reasons come to learn that everybody in town is you know excellent pedigree excellent training and um you know it pays off i've been surprised how many people travel to come get their care at sansom the rich history of you know people from central valley up the coast um you know even as far as uh, fresno visalia all those places every day i'm seeing patients from from three four hours away yeah, I actually saw somebody from London this week. He wasn't here to see me. His parents lived in London. I mean, uh-huh. he lives in London and his parents lived in Santa Barbara. Uh, maybe you could talk about what uh, what what drew you to Samsung. Um, you know, I've actually been in a couple different practice models earlier in my career. I started off with what I'd call a more traditional uh, orthopedic group. Uh, we had 12 surgeons couple of pain management guys. Um, we owned our own surgery center, multiple offices. And, um, you know, I found that we, both I and the partners spend a good 30% of our time during the week running the business, you know, the day in, day out of you know, hiring, firing and HR and all that. And yeah, that's just not why I went into medicine. I, I didn't want to run a business. I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to to treat patients. So I kind of decided that the the classic private practice model wasn't for me. And uh, when I started looking at you know multi specialty groups where we had a kind of cohesive system where you know I could reliably see patients from primary care doctors. If I needed consults from people, we could get them. You know access quite easily, plus having you know, all the imaging, the surgery centers, all the uh, amenities at hand. Um, I think it's just a great model to have. So, you know, I, I'm happy to kind of sit back and be part of a larger system. You know, I can focus on being a surgeon and, and don't have to worry so much about, you know, making a business run. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what what services are offered in the orthopedic department now that you're part of it. So we have um, a pretty good balance. We've got uh, some mid-levels, which we call uh, our nurse practitioners and PAs. Um, we have some nurses doing some you know, casting and, and other small treatments for us. And then we have a, a well-balanced group of orthopedic surgeons. So 
three of our surgeons, we, we kind of function more as general, general orthopedic surgeons. We do sports medicine, some trauma, some joint replacements. I have sports medicine fellowship training. One of my partners is trained in sports medicine and trauma. Uh, another partner's trained in uh, fellowship trained in joint replacement surgery. Uh, we have a hand specialist and we have a, another one coming on board. Uh, so we kind of can provide uh, the bulk of what you need for orthopedic surgery. You know, we, we see and treat people for non-operative injuries, uh, casting, bracing, uh, you know, coaching people through injuries, physical therapy. We run the gamut of all the non-operative measures we try. You know, and ultimately, you know, if, if those are not successful, then we've got the full cadre of uh, operations, procedures that we can offer people. So the other thing we're lacking that we may look into in the future would be, you know, more of a comprehensive spine program. But I think otherwise, we've got most of the bases covered here. We also partner very closely with our colleagues down the hall, uh, the podiatry group. Uh, so we have several podiatrists that do a, a, the bulk of our foot and ankle work. We, I think we do a pretty good job of, you know, covering all the bases. We do all the arthroscopic, minimally invasive procedures. We do that right upstairs here at our surgery center. Uh, we do all the inpatient cases, such as joint replacements, uh, including shoulders, hips, knees. Dr. Dunbar and I uh, do a lot of the trauma work. We take trauma call for uh, Cottage Hospital and, and all the major trauma that comes in from Central Coast will funnel down through Cottage here. So I think, I think we got it pretty well covered. Yeah, people might be interested to know that you, and you mentioned the new hand surgeon. It's a sort of first for Sanson Clinic and that we're going to have a uh, mother and daughter hand surgeons. We're delighted to have the new Dr. Brown joining us to work alongside uh, her mother. Yes, yeah, she's. Uh, we're excited to have her on. She's very well trained. Uh, you know, did did a bunch of kind of general orthopedic surgery work, and is just fill it, finishing up her hand fellowship. So uh, I think they're going to be partnering together, and, and I think coming fresh out of fellowship, she's going to have, have a lot more to offer as well. So we're excited about that. Maybe you could say you've been practicing orthopedics for 15 years or so, I think. You know, maybe what are the most common things that you see uh, in, on a daily basis in your practice? Um, I, I kind of split that up into two, two venues, if you will. About half of what we see in the office is kind of chronic degenerative problems. You know, as, as everybody ages, things wear out. And you know, the most common things we see are, you know, hip arthritis and knee arthritis. You know, our patient population here at Sansom, we, we see, uh, you know, probably about half of the, the major arthritis in the city. So we, we do a good job of servicing that. We've got our, our PAs, nurse practitioners that, you know, do a lot of the injections and some of the medical management, the bracing and things. And then ultimately when it's time for something like a joint replacement, then they, they'll see one of the surgeons and we can, we can offer them that. So I would say that's some of the bread and butter stuff we see. And then we see a good bit of the, the sports injuries. So uh, I, I particularly have an interest in shoulders. And so I see a lot of shoulder injuries, rotator cuff problems. Uh, I would say be after the arthritis, rotator cuff is probably the, the second most common thing we see. The other is you know, meniscus injuries. Meniscus is probably the most common injury we see in knees. So between arthritis of hips and knees, rotator cuffs of shoulders, and meniscus tears and knees, those are, those are the top four for sure. Is there anything that you particularly like to do or that is the sort of most satisfying experience for you as an orthopedic surgeon? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the the arthroscopic rotator cuff repairs. My 
my fellowship director was a world famous shoulder surgeon. And we were kind of, when I was in training, we we're kind of on the, the leading edge of doing arthroscopic or two to cuff repairs. And it's just kind of been a, both a passion and a, a skill of mine, I guess, since then. So I feel like I do a really good job with it. You know, we've got a very efficient team upstairs and we can get the rotator cuff repairs done. I'm, I'm surprised I'm doing it now in half the time that I did in training. And uh, so I feel like over the years, the techniques, you know, have progressed and, and, and we can just do a much better job than we used to. But yeah, arthroscopic rotator cuff repair used to be a very difficult procedure. It was kind of known to be painful and a difficult recovery. But now we've got it where, you know, after a couple of weeks of letting the cuff heal and, and working through some initial therapy, it's honestly not that bad of a procedure to go through anymore. You know, it's funny, we, we often, when we're talking uh, to doctors, we don't typically ask the question, but in orthopedic surgery, it seems like an important question to ask is, you know, what advice can you give people to sort of avoid ever needing your services? Honestly, my, my philosophy is I, I think people should live their lives and it's my job to deal with the consequences. Now, you, you certainly can do some preventative maintenance work, um, you know, when it, shoulders, for example, keeping your muscles strong and compliant. So keeping a strengthening program going along with a stretching program, I think is the best thing you could do for your shoulders. You know, posture work, pay attention to how you hold your body throughout the day. So be it your shoulders, your neck, your back, just being conscious of how you sit, how you work on a computer, how you lift and carry, how you sit in a car throughout the day. You know, all these things really add up over the years. And if you can be conscious of that and to do some preventative, say, core strengthening, uh, cuff strengthening, you know, general muscle maintenance is, is probably the best way. Uh, they have shown that some of the ways to almost delay aging is to maintain good muscle mass, uh, ways to prevent falls, injuries, fractures. If you have good muscle mass, if you maintain good lean muscle tone, uh, it's good for metabolism, it's good for balance, it's good for you know, strength and, and all these things really kind of extend your life, if you will. A little bit of maintenance work, a little bit of stretching. If someone's inclined, the things like yoga, Pilates can be some of the healthiest things for your body because they work both the strengthening and the stretching end of the spectrum there. I, I'm a swimmer. I'm, I love swimming as a, as a sport. It's low impact. It's, it's good fitness, you know, typically outdoors here in California. So it, it's another one that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I had a patient with some knee problems and she went to want to see one of your colleagues and that was his recommendation. And Swimming does seem like it's a good exercise for your joints. It is, it is. And then, you know, one of the things that keeps us in business is ball sports. You know, you take any ball sport and after a while, that, a lot of people become endurance athletes because they've picked up injuries, you know, be it tennis, soccer, basketball, you know, football, when you're younger, those are the ones that keep us in business. So. Yeah, if you want some longevity, become an endurance athlete. By the way, since pickleball has become a big, huge thing, are you seeing pickleball injuries? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are they just like tennis injuries? Just like tennis. Uh, surprising number of falls. Uh, several wrist fractures from, from people getting aggressive on the pickleball court, diving for things, breaking wrists. Um, definitely some shoulder injuries, very, very similar to tennis in that way. But yeah, I've, I've been surprised as well as the the rates of people participating in, in pickleball have increased, the injuries have as well. And uh, I made the, the mistake of assuming that it was 
a retirement community sport. Um, and, uh, but no, they're, they're strong pickleball leagues. And I had a 30 year old patient really put me in my place when I told him that he was playing or playing retiree sport. Um, so it's, it's really taken hold. I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised that the, or it'll keep orthopedists busy in the future. So speaking of future, kind of looking ahead, you know, Chad, do you ever think about where, where do you see the future of medical care going in Santa Barbara and maybe even more widely? Is it something that you think about? Yeah, I mean, I certainly in orthopedics, we're always eyeing that. Um, orthopedics is, uh, I wouldn't say it's unique, but it's one of the uh, specialties that is very reliant on technology. And so we're always eyeing, you know, what's the the new technology that's panned out to be good, not just cutting edge for the sake of it, but, um, you know, what's effective, uh, what can be efficient, what can really add value to patients in, in their, their recovery. So in orthopedics, we look a lot at the, the hardware we use, in joint replacements, uh, a lot of computer technology, a lot of computer planning. 3D modeling, um, even robotics is, is, is trending right now. So you know, using technology and joint replacements allows us to improve our precision, to improve our accuracy, improve our reproducibility. And all those things matter a lot because when you're putting in a joint replacement, it's, it's all about the wear and longevity of it. Um, so the more precise you are, the, the tighter tolerances you have, uh, the longer the, those replacements will last. So that's what's one part of orthopedics that is just constantly in development. Another part of orthopedics specifically is, is what I call the biologics. You know, uh, we're always looking for ways to get the body, help the body heal itself. Um, so classically, we repair with surgery, we repair with hardware, uh, but there's a trend and there's a lot of good treatments coming out that try to help your body heal. So PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, is a way to help stimulate the body to heal. And so that's being uh, you know, tested in different places in the body in ways to help tendons heal, help arthritis, those type of things. In a similar vein, stem cells. It's somewhat controversial in certain ways and, and is certainly in development right now, but uh, stem cells hold the power to hopefully help regrow tissues in the future. Um, so the, the potential there to regrow cartilage and kind of stave off arthritis over the years is, is very tempting. Um, we're not quite there yet. Uh, the science is still in development, but, but there's still a lot of potential there. Um, so in orthopedics specifically, I would say those are two of the more exciting uh, avenues for the future. You know, when you start to talk about medicine in general, that's bordering on a, a more of a social commentary. Where, where do we go? You know, how do we care for patients? How do we uh, take care of this burgeoning population of baby boomers. Um, we're hitting a crisis in orthopedics. We, we are not going to have enough orthopedic surgeons in the country to do all the joint replacements that are needed. So how do you how do you manage that on a countrywide scale, on a citywide scale even? So yeah, I think there's one way we're doing it, and I think other people are, are doing this as well, is, is trying to utilize mid-level providers. Uh, we have four here in our office that uh, are very good about you know diagnosing problems, doing some of the initial management, uh, doing some of the workup that's needed, and, and able to care for people even though they aren't surgeons. And then if it comes time to to do surgery to where they need the operation, uh, not only do they refer them to us, but these are also some of the people that assist us in the operating room. 
So we were able to keep a continuity of care there where the person that's, you know, you've met maybe at the beginning and, and is doing your initial care also is participating in your surgery and, and even on the back end uh, with your recovery as well. So using those mid-levels to extend our, our capabilities, I think, is, uh, is, is some, something we use. Certainly going to be a trend over the next few years throughout the country. I found referring, you know, if, if you kind of can tell that somebody doesn't need surgery right, right away, it's been really great to be able to have the patient see the mid-level and they're very skilled at getting joint injections and managing things uh, non-operatively. So I think yeah. it's a, a real benefit the way you guys uh, as a department are working with them. Yeah, and we, we have a couple of guys, uh, two of our providers, uh, they've been with us, gosh, going on 15, 20 years even. So yeah. as far as experience in our field, the number of years they have equals what I have. Um, so and they're really good at what they do. I think we've talked a little bit about this, Chad, but maybe you just, as we near the end, just to remind me and everybody else. So you certainly have talked about your incredibly busy career, but what is it that you like to do for for fun, you and your family here in Santa Barbara? Well, I've got three three young kids. I've got a, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Right now, we're coming off the summer camp season. It's, it's the classic thing in Santa Barbara. See how many camps you can get your kids into and just hold on for the ride. So it's been a, a fun, busy summer. Um, you know, two of my kids are in club soccer and one is, is about to start up AYSO soccer. So I'm out there on the field with them, helping ref. Um, I'm going to be participating with the club and trying to help take care of some of the, the young athletes there. So that keeps me busy as well. Um, but we're outdoors people. We, uh, we go bike riding. Uh, we get up to Mammoth every time we can to go snowboarding. My kids are better surfers than I am. I'm, I'm trying to play catch up with them. But yeah, they're, they're getting to grow up on the beach, which I, I love. And, and we're trying to facilitate that the best we can. I used to dabble in triathlons, and I, and I hope to get back to that one day. I still swim on a regular basis uh, with a crew of guys. Get some inspiration from friends doing the uh, night moves and reef run swims and some of the smaller triathlons around town. So as I, as I approach 50, I think I'll start transitioning back into that, I think. All right. And maybe a little pickleball, too, I hope. <laughs> maybe a little pickleball. <laughs> Well, Chad, it's been really interesting talking with you and hearing about your life, both your uh, non-work life and your incredibly productive uh, work life and everything that you've brought to this uh, community. So I'm really glad that we were able to get you down from Hood River, Oregon, and it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I want to thank you for joining us for this session of Sansom Speaks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Everyone have a good day. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this to be valuable information. Remember to subscribe to Sansom Speaks, available wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.